Folks, this is Jack Spearco with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is March the 13th, 2019. This is episode 2395 of the Survival Podcast. It's a Wednesday, and at least for today, we are on our regularly scheduled programming. I've got a special guest. Quick announcement here at the beginning of the show. Uh, tomorrow will not be uh, a listener call show. It will be a call, uh, a, sh- a call. It will be a show with me and Stephen Harris. We are doing the 11th edition of the Bug Out Trailer series, and on that we are going to be talking about storage. So if you're going to have all your stuff and you're going to have a bug out trailer and you're going to be able to bug out if something goes wrong, well, you need storage for it so it doesn't get eaten by rats. It, so it all stays together, so it stays organized. So you can move around with it without it going everywhere and looking like a tornado went through it. And I think all of the bug out trailer shows have been great general prepping shows because all the things we talk about for a bug out trailer also apply to bugging in, which is 90% of the time the better choice. There's that 10% of time where you, you gotta go, man. I mean, we're talking, you know, if there's a wildfire or earthquake or something like that, you know, maybe your house is destroyed. You got to go live elsewhere until you can figure out what to do with it. So I think you guys are really going to enjoy that one. The reason for the change up this week, I've been working really hard. I've done four shows in two days, which I'm going to tell you that's that is more difficult than it probably sounds. And I'm doing that because I have, and I can't say what it is. I've said it earlier, but he's in the other room. He might hear me. I have an incredibly cool surprise for my grandson tomorrow during spring break. We're taking to him to a really cool place. I need to take the day off. So that's why I kind of jumbled things around. And then Friday, I haven't decided whether it'll be an expert council show or whether it'll be a listener call show. That's going to tend to be based on how much expert council material I have because I'm doing that show a bit early too. Uh, with that, today's show is with Carrie Holzman. Now, you probably never heard of Carrie. Uh, unless you just happen to be one of his subscribers on YouTube, where he has about a quarter million subscribers, so there's there's a possibility there. Um, but he does videos on computer stuff. I mean, some of his videos are like how to build a computer, how to shut down your computer faster, and, and like really controversial topics like music I am listening to. So you might imagine his surprise when he was recently swatted while he was live streaming, and the police terrorized Carrie and his family to make sure they weren't terrorists. He attempted to explain it to them, but they remained locked and loaded and endangered the community while violating his rights when they were forcefully invaded his home uh, with weapons drawn to check on, quote, their safety, end quote, while they were already safe outside with other officers who knew who they were. Today we're going to have a cautionary tale that shows just how fast every right you think you have can be tossed out the window, how your life can be placed in jeopardy, with a simple phone call, and some of the things you can do to at least mitigate it, if not prevent it from happening to you. I do want to say a couple of things before I move into the interview about Carrie. Carrie, despite what happened to him, is far more trusting of the state than I or most of this audience is. That's okay. I didn't bring him on to have a great discussion about creating a stateless society. I brought him on to talk about his experience and what happened to him. Carrie's also not a gun guy. You will hear him use the term M16 military rifle a time or two or similar like that. Um, of course, the police uh, in 
uh, his state and every state I know of has AR-15 rifles, which look similar to the M-16 and M-4 carbines that the military uses. They are not the same thing. I know that, you know that, and I swear if anyone comments about it, I can't believe you let him say M16 whenever, I'm going to delete your comment, I'm probably going to ban you from the site because you're just being nitpicking and stupid. There's a reason that I didn't do that and create a confrontation with somebody trying to tell his story. It's not useful to the conversation, and it doesn't help. For the, It's the same reason that I didn't give him more pushback on free market solutions to one of the problems that he's going to bring up, and you'll hear that. I mentioned it. He says it won't work. And here's the interesting thing. I didn't even bring this up. Um, as you guys know, Kim Commando and I have been working together. Talk about somebody knows computers, right? And her next segment for you guys on the air here, you know what it's going to be on? Defeating robocalls, which is linked to this in a way that you'll hear later. I didn't even bring that up with him. Why, why engage your guest in a debate if it's not relevant to the subject. And and that's that's why I didn't do that, and that's why I didn't get nitpicking. And he didn't say clips, but if he did, I wouldn't have corrected with magazines. There's things that when you're trying to get information from people and trying to have a positive discussion, you just don't be that guy. You know, you don't be the guy that sits out in the audience and waits for you know the, the speaker to say one thing he disagrees with so he can point it out in the Q&A session. You know, I'm not that guy, and I don't tolerate that kind of shit with my guests from the audience either. I'm sorry. It's just the way that I am. All right. Before we bring him on, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Western Botanicals. I love Western Botanicals, and I love Western Botanicals because I love herbs. And if it's legal and available in the United States, and it's related to herbs, it's either herb, herb product, or something you use to make an herbal preparation, you know, anything from beeswax to things like that, menthol crystals for deep heat elements, you name it, they have it, and it's available. And if it's an herb, if it grows in the ground and you get it there, there's only two types you will find. They will either be grown organically or they will be wild-crafted. Why the distinction? This is something I, you know, I love learning stuff. That's another reason I love, love Western Botanicals. They explain this to me. It's like, well, why do you have to call it wild-crafted, not organic? You can't call something wild-crafted organic. Thank you, state. Thank you, government, for protecting us from wild-crafted versus organic. I, whatever. But you get my point. If you're looking for it, they can help you. Real people that really care about you will answer the phone and take care of your customer service needs. You can find everything at westernbotanicals.com. They're one of our like premium discount supporters for the MSB, giving away their premium $50 annual membership for free to MSB members. You can learn more about that in the benefits section of the MSB. Check them out today, westernbotanicals.com. Next up today, bulkammo.com. You know, we're going to talk about police with guns today. Um, but the reason those guns scared Kerry and his family, because there's ammo in them. Guns without ammo, if you know they're empty, they should always be treated as though they're, I get that, but they're not real scary, are they? They can't do what a gun is supposed to do. You know what an unloaded gun does in a conflict situation? Gets you killed because the other person thinks you're armed. A gun without ammo is a club. A very expensive club, but it is a club. It is not a gun. You need ammo. You need ammo to train with. You need ammo to practice with. You need ammo to hunt with. And if it comes down to it, defending your family, you need ammo to defend your family with and defend your property with. So you need to get ammo. You need lots of it. You need to go over to BulkAmmo.com where they have just what they say they do, ammo in bulk. All the common calibers, all the manufacturers, Great pricing and my favorite thing with bulk ammo, lightning fast shipping. 
It will blow you away, pun intended, how quickly you will get your ammo when you order it at BulkAmmo.com. And they do a discount for members of the MSB as well. Check them out. You know where to find them, BulkAmmo.com. With that, let's go ahead and get into our uh, discussion today. Again, Kerry Holtzman is a tech expert who streams live on YouTube with about 230,000 subscribers, 25 million views of his videos, and his videos are mostly about computers and some stuff on music he listens to. He was recently swatted. He's here to tell us about that experience, uh, experience and what he learned from it. And uh, with that, hey, Kerry, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, thank you for having me. Man, I'm, I'm glad to have you on. I... Uh, I find this story like both fascinating and horrifying uh, with you basically being SWATed, having your house raided by a, a freaking SWAT team in the middle of a live stream about computer stuff on YouTube. Yeah, um, right. You know, but before we dig into that, and that's what you're really here for, tell us who you are and, and what you do. Like, who is Carrie? Because I think unless my audience happens to subscribe to your channel, they probably have no idea who you are. No, and, and they probably shouldn't. Uh, the reason I know who you are is I have a friend who I grew up with who we both got into computers together, and, and he's really he's always been a prepper his whole life. And I've always told him, you're either crazy or you're the smartest person I know. Only time will tell. Like, if something happens, I'm finding you, you know, because yeah. he's, he's ready. But if nothing happens, then you're just crazy. Okay. So, <laughs> so we joke about that. He goes, hey, you gotta you got to tell your story. Uh, to this guy Jack and his survival podcast, and, you know, and so I thought I'd reach out to you. So what I do, uh, I started off as a car mechanic, and this is the 80s. Computers were my hobby. I got into computers that uh, led to me writing a book, which led to me do hosting a nationwide radio program nationwide across uh, the, the U.S. United States. That led to me uh, teaching and doing live presentations at computer clubs around the world. And now I do free YouTube videos showing people just how easy it is to take back control of your computer, build your own computer, fix your own computer, upgrade your own computer using plain English and analogies anybody can easily understand. And I try and throw a little bit of that dad jokes or dad humor in there to just lighten up the dryness of tech. So I'm the last person in the world you think would get swatted because that typically occurs against gamers gotcha yeah i mean so like you know you guys you got swatted in I, i'm i'm thinking like i've seen stuff like this happen where it wasn't really a swatting but the person was engaged in some activity that law enforcement took the wrong way that they really shouldn't have like we had a a farm kind of co-opting hippie compound raided down here in texas a few years ago because cops looked in the backyard and thought ogre plants were pot plants because they were that incompetent like so that's awful but like at least there's a reason right like there's right. there's like it might be a terrible reason but you know they thought something somebody bought a whole bunch of you know uh high intensity lights and uh stuff like that cuz they were doing hydroponics for tomatoes and the cops picked up on it and went in looking for well, pot, right? You know, those tomatoes, they're a gateway vegetable. They're a gateway vegetable. So, like, that's the kind of thing that people think of when they hear this. People don't really think much about swatting, which is where somebody just does it to you. But what, what the hell causes? I mean, I, I, you really, like, I watched your live stream piece of it where it happens, and you really yeah. can't see anything because you were in front of the computer and you went up, but you could hear what's going on. Yeah, I had my wireless mic pack on, which I was surprised because they were two doors down. Wow. So yeah. how, what causes this to happen? How, how do all of a sudden this guy did just sit there? What I put in the show notes today is, you know, this guy has uh, videos like how to build a computer, how to shut your computer off faster, 
Oh, and music, and music I'm listening to now, and also the cops are, you know, raiding your house. How does this happen? And I want to emphasize, I'm also giving away computers to disabled veterans. Okay. Just giving them, just like well, I'm a evil. horrible person. Yeah. I'm a horrible, horrible person. <laughs> so what ends up happening? I'm live on YouTube, and because YouTube has no fee, uh, anybody can jump in. And trolls will be trolls as long as it's free to troll. Brother, I know and, it. You know, we're all here for this very limited. I'm sorry, I'm going to get very philosophical. This is how I am. But we're all here for a very limited period of time here on this planet. And we should decide whether through religion or just wake up one morning and figure out why you're here. What is your purpose? Because these people are apparently bored and lonely and they're looking for some form of entertainment at the expense of somebody else. So in my case, I was showing people how to do things. And I'm explaining that most computer nerds would like you to think they're smart. But when you realize how easy this stuff is. You realize most computer nerds are not only socially inept, if you fit the stereotype, but uh, once you figure out what they're doing, you could do it yourself if you wanted to. It's not rocket science. And I think I upset quite a few nerds. And I use the word, look, there's good nerds and there's bad nerds. So I'm using this in the context of those people who behave as though they're superior to you because they have knowledge you don't have. But, you know, when I, I always tell people, you know, when I was born, I was so stupid. I couldn't walk. I couldn't eat my feed myself. Like in, I was so dumb when I was born. I couldn't read or write. But these people would have you believe they're just smarter than you when they were just born that way. And we all know none of us, none of us are born with this knowledge. And we had to learn it from somewhere. So uh, somebody had hacked my Twitter account. I only had like 200 followers on Twitter, so I didn't really... I just used an old password I had time and again. I'm sorry. It's all right. Uh, all right, we're still there? Yeah. Okay, so I, I had this old Twitter. I, I had a Twitter account, and I used an old password, a common password I'd used at other places, but I never, ever used the same password at any financial site, like a credit card or Amazon, anywhere I'm going to spend money or have credit card information on file. So this is important to note. I did nothing wrong one of the sites that I had used the same password on had been hacked. They got hacked, not me. And when they got hacked, it exposed my name, my address, my phone number, and all that got bundled into millions of other people. And you were probably affected by the Equifax hack along with most of us. So you can do everything right, but the company you're doing business with is the one that drops the ball. And that's how they got, they figured, oh, I'm going to try this password based on you know, he's used it before based on this big database you can download that has millions of accounts. Now, as long as you're nobody, as long as you have security through obscurity, who cares? Nobody's going to know you from anybody else. But as soon as you start to become popular, mm -hmm. then they start looking through those databases. They'll, they'll try this. So I'm live. And one of my live chat uh, participants says, hey, you just tweeted. Did you know that? We've been watching you on camera. We didn't see you tweet. So I said, hold on, let me step in my back office and check. And yep, that, that looks like somebody got into me. So let me just change my password. So I change it. And when I come back, they say, you know, my chat room says you should really turn on two-factor authentication. I'm like, nah, it's Twitter. This is a script kitty wannabe hacker. This is not a, a, a creative, intelligent person. This is somebody who just Googled how to do this. Mm-hmm. They're not necessarily intelligent. They're not creative. They're not imaginative. They didn't come up with this on their own. We call them script kitties. Well, that upset the script kitty. And what I didn't realize is that Twitter saves these cookies or tokens on other devices that you had previously signed in on. 
and doesn't require you to re-enter the password, which is a big, big security flaw. So they tweeted as me again and then took over my account, changed my password and the phone number associated with my account and completely locked me out of my own account. And as they told me that in the chat, I said, uh, as I was explaining, two-factor is not important because it's not a financial thing. It's just Twitter. I could, I could hear sirens <laughs> out my window, and I live on a pretty quiet street. So I'm hearing them get closer and closer and closer. I'm like, wow, that must be a big accident that happened, you know? And uh, apparently by me taunting the script kitty by pointing out what exactly what he was, he thought he'd raise the bar and place a false 911 call using my phone number, spoofing my phone number, saying he was me and that he had just shot his wife, or my wife as it were, with a shotgun and uh, 15 squad cars and a helicopter arrived. And so I... Looked out my office window, and I have a home office, and I see my wife had just pulled in from work. Now, she doesn't know what's going on. I know exactly what's happening. I figured, I'm like, I know what this is. So I hear her, like the police are yelling at her from two doors down with like a felony stop type procedure. And she's, my wife's one of those people that likes to say, oh, there's police cars. I wonder what's going on over there. You know, so she was sticking around outside to see what was happening, and they were coming for her. So as soon as I heard this, I said to my audience, you'll see it on camera. You see me walk down my hallway. I go, hold on, guys. I got to take care of something. And I left my wireless microphone on the whole time. And I immediately took the situation over. I put my hands in the air and I shouted to the officer that was two blocks down with his weapons drawn. I said, hey, this is a prank. I'm live on YouTube. He says, come over here. Come on. So I start walking. He goes, slow down. And I start laughing. I'm like, you want me to come there or you don't? He goes, I have to take this seriously. I said, well, I don't because I'm the only person in this entire place anywhere that knows what's happening right now. Well, we have to take it seriously. I said, fine. What can I do to help? He goes, stand over here. You and me are going to have a little conversation. And I was very calm and I was kind of like, you know, in my mind, when something's absurd, I just start to laugh. I'm like, this is. And this guy's looking at me like, you know, you're supposed to be afraid of me. Why aren't you shaking? Kind of. He's getting angry at me. Young guy, half my age, with an M16, 30-round magazine, 223, loaded, one in the chamber, and then 15 other squad cars with at least one, one other, at least one officer in each of the squad cars. Weapons are out of their holsters. Now, I can't tell you if they were pointed at me or not, but I cannot expre- express to you the trauma I felt in that moment, me standing against an armed army who was not being reasonable. They were hyped up and adrenaline-filled because the dispatcher was not trained on how to recognize the red flags in a potential swatting or prank 911 call. And these officers had every reason to believe, based on the information relayed by the dispatcher, that they're encountering an active shooter situation. So I said, look, this is my wife, this is me. If I'm the one who called you, and here's my state-issued ID, and you see that my wife, the supposed victim, is fine, your your welfare check is done. Have a nice day. It's done. Oh, no, no, no. No, it doesn't work like that. You know, do you have dogs? I'm like, yeah, I have dogs. Well, do they bite? I go, well, no one's ever tried to enter my house without me before. I don't know. I have the same kind of dog you guys have. It's a canine unit. And I've got them for the same reason. I said, you get to invade my home based on a prank phone call? He says, no, we're not. So that's how you answer me like a four-year-old. You say, what bounces off me sticks to you. I mean, 
no, we're not. You're yeah. doing it, but you're saying, no, we're not doing it. Yeah. So I'm like, I said, are you hearing me? And he says, yes, I'm hearing me. And then I got really upset. And then it went from absurdity to anger and frustration. And I said, are you wearing a body camera? And he said, yes. I said, where is it? And he points to it. And I, I looked right in, I leaned right into his body camera. So my face would take up the whole frame. And I said, you are being pranked. And, um, Again, the person walks up and says, do you have dogs? I'm like, why don't you guys talk to each other? Why do I have to keep repeating myself? And this lady was rude, just really rude. And she, they, they went into my house. I said, look, you go into my house. I'm broadcasting live on YouTube. You guys need to know that. He said, well, I never heard of you. Oh, gee. Yeah. I, I'm you know what? I know every freaking person that broadcasts live on YouTube. I never said I was famous. Jeez. I'm telling you, I'm trying to tell you you're walking onto a hot stage. Yeah. So put on a good show. You yeah. know, don't mess up. Be don't careful. shoot my dog, jerk. And don't shoot my dog, right? I'd rather you shot me than shoot my dog. So they've got me distracted. And the guy says, well, if you just let us do our job, how am I not letting you do your job? I came over here like you said to. You said let's have a conversation. We're having it. You've got people entering my house behind me while you're distracting me. And now it's as if it's as if you would throw me down on the ground and arrest me and say, stop resisting when I'm not resisting. Just because you say these things doesn't make it so. I was really, really starting to get angry. He says, you know what? I'm done talking to you. And I said, good. Thank you. Please get me somebody else to talk to. So then the lieutenant comes up. Right. So the order is when these police show up, the sergeant's in charge. The lieutenant mostly sits around and observes or does paperwork. And then, of course, beyond that, you've got the captain, and that's usually in the office. And then, of course, the chief of police, which is in the office. So the person in that situation in charge is the sergeant. So they enter my house. You can see on the camera they are not on high alert. They don't even check my attic. They're opening cabinets, pantry doors, looking in bedrooms. Their arms are limp-wristed. They're not in any way, shape, or form. They know this is a prank. But they're going through the procedure because they're unthinking robots. And listen, this is going to come off like I'm anti-police. I'm anti-bad police. I am pro-police. When police are professional and they behave the way that they should behave, with the responsibility and the psychology that one should have to earn to have a loaded weapon and a badge, I expect more diplomacy I don't expect the officer to be hostile, combative, abrupt, and abrasive like what I dealt with. And um, I was very upset at how I was treated. So I said, listen, when all this is over with, are you going to give me an apology? I say this to the sergeant. He says, no. I said, look, I'm saying when, when you realize everything I'm telling you is true, Will you apologize to me? No, this is our job. We're here to make sure everybody's safe. So you can terrorize me and my family to make sure we're not terrorists? This is how this works? Well, we're just glad nobody was hurt. You've hurt me. You've hurt me. Now I can't sleep. Now I can't eat. I don't feel safe in my own house anymore, and I don't know if I can ever trust the police again. But you're glad nobody was hurt. Somebody was hurt. You hurt me. Well, maybe you should see a psychologist. Well, who's going to pay for that? Well, maybe I can see if you can see ours. Well, please do, because I would very much like to, because I'm going to need it after this. You know, being on the business end of 15 drawn weapons with officers so hyped up on adrenaline, they're not listening. 
and they're believing fear over reality, I'm like, use your eyes. What do you see? Use your ears. What do you hear? No neighbors complained of a gunshot. Oh, you'd be surprised how often that happens. Oh, really? And somebody calls and says they murdered their wife, and then when you show up, they go, no, I didn't call you? Oh, yeah, you'd be surprised how often that happens. Oh, sure it does. Yeah, every day. But you did it yesterday, right? Yeah, it's not like it's a domestic violence call where, you know, let's say a, a woman calls and says her husband's beating her, the police show up. She goes, no, 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 never mind. It's fine. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody calling and saying, I'm murdering people. And you show up and I go, yeah, I'm not murdering people. There's no bloodstains. There's no damage to the house. There's no screaming coming from inside the house. There are no exigent circumstances to invade my home, to violate my Fourth Amendment right. You have not met the Mitchell test to enter my house. So I went to every news station that night. It was broadcasted on ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox. And then I had a talk with a different lieutenant. Now, the city of Glendale has a population of about a quarter of a million people, and swatting has been occurring since about 2004. One man lost his life over a $1.50 bet that these kids were playing Call of Duty, and they paid a kid who swats people for money. And he said, yeah, here's my address, and gave the guy the address that his parents were renting out. And the man renting that house answered his door, and the hyped-up officer with a hair trigger, shot him and killed him before he even had a chance to say hello. So those kids will grow up without a father. And the person who did the swatting was caught and is in jail. And his attitude is, I'm not the one who pulled the trigger. I never intended for anybody to be killed. It's not my fault. I didn't pull the trigger. He has no remorse. And he says that the reason he did it Well, he never thought about it until somebody had done it to him and his grandmother. And after it happened to him, then he realized he could make a living charging people to do it because it's so easy to do. Spoof the caller ID, use VOIP with a VPN. And uh, it's very difficult to get caught. So when we look at this, then. I, 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 I'm outraged by the way the officers conducted themselves. But on the other hand, let me play devil's advocate. So sure. I'm, I, I'm part of a, a tactical response team or a SWAT team, you know, depending on the size of the, the city. I get this call and I go out there. What do you feel the officer should have done differently? The officer should have said, uh, thank you, sir. I've heard what you said. I will take it under consideration. It will proceed accordingly. Do you have dogs? Yes. Would you secure the dogs for me? I'm going to go in the house with you so you can secure your dogs. Okay? And then whatever you want to do with me is fine. I'll invite you in and offer you a cup of tea, but don't you invade my home. You be polite. And and there's no reason. What if my dog, I didn't know what was going to happen. What if my dog did what I thought he was going to do and defended his territory as he had every right to do when this threat walked in the door? What if he tore an Achilles heel from one of those officers who would never again be able to do the be uh, on the beat because of this injury? Why would you place your officers and my animals, my loved ones in harm's way when it was completely avoidable by simply being polite and professional and diplomatic? You can come in the house with me. Let me lock the dogs outside and then you can do with me what you want. You can have me wait inside the house. You can have me wait outside the house. I don't care. Just let me secure the dogs. So my heart is in my throat this whole time. As time is ticking by, as the officers are entering my home, waiting for the growl and bark in the in the gunshot, which luckily didn't happen. 
Now, I'm the kind of person I deal with tragedy with comedy. The more tragic something is, the more I have to go to a place of comedy. And my joke with this is, I'm glad that my dogs, upon seeing the officers, immediately went out the doggy door, both of them. But now I know that if anybody ever uh, invades my home, they won't protect me. So I can't really look him in the eye anymore. <laughs> yeah, and it's fortunate, though, because, like, I have three dogs, and I have one of them that in that situation would have been shot. Because yeah. he, he's going to go. Like, he's and trained to go. Be, like, it's his deal. Yeah. And what's sad is that we've gotten to a point where one of the things we fear the most in encounters with police officers It's having a dog shot. Yeah. Like, it, it, it is not just because there's more cameras. When I was a kid in the 70s and 80s, police didn't just routinely shoot dogs. It's like, and I, I blame the training. I think it's gotten to the point, if that dog looks like a threat, you shoot it. And well, it's, it's despicable, and cops need to be able to work with people. And when you have, like, half of Americans own pets and love their animals – and they don't trust you with their dog, if I don't trust you with my dog, I don't trust you with anything. Perfect. Exactly. Right? So, I mean, like, I, I certainly would trust no, you with my kids. There's no repercussions for this. Right? That's the so problem. I talked to the lieutenant afterwards, and I, and I said to the lieutenant on site, I said, when you guys saw everything was over and done, you said everything, everything that I said was true, why didn't you, instead of continuing to argue with me, because I was still, like, I was lit up, right? Yeah. I was triggered. I said, why didn't you just smile and extend a hand and say, look, man, I didn't want to enter your house. I had to. I'm sorry this happened. I said, would you lose your job if you apologize to me? He says, no. I said, would there be any sort of departmental policy that you would be demoted or in any way punished if you apologized for the inconvenience of what just went down? He says, no. I said, then why didn't you do it? Was it just your ego and your pride? He said, you know what? Um, you're right. And I do apologize. I don't know why I did that. And, I'll, and if it happens again to anybody, I will hear your voice in my head. And I, and I will take that into consideration. And I said, thank you. That's all I wanted to hear. That's all I wanted to hear. You know, if, I could, if we can learn from this and move forward. Then I, there's only seven lieutenants in the Glendale Police Department. But I was shocked that in a city of a quarter of a million people, this was the very first swatting event that they've ever had. But when I asked the officer that was harassing me and being hostile and combative, have you been on a swatting event before? He said, honestly, in Glendale, there's been very few. No, he lied. I later learned I'm the first one because when I talked to another lieutenant, and again, there's only seven lieutenants, that lieutenant said uh, that officer's behavior was not acceptable. He said, sometimes... When I'm in a situation, I, and I'm not sure, you know, looking at it from the police side or looking at it from a civilian side, I take the body cam footage and I show it to my wife because she's not an officer. My wife saw that footage and she did this. Ooh. Now, when my wife goes, ooh, that's not good. The female officer that was there was a real piece of work. I was handing over my – I have a PBA card, a Police Benevolence Association. It shows I support the police. It's got an officer's name and badge number on it that I know personally. And I went to hand my license to identify myself. And this female cop reaches over and tries to grab the wallet out of my hands. So I turned – I twisted away from her so she couldn't grab my wallet. 
until I could, you know, fidget my uh, driver's license out. And then I handed it to her, but she was very rude. Was they were rolling up. I'm sorry, when they were, when they were packing everything, when they were standing down and leaving and they scattered like cockroaches. Nobody stuck around to ask me if I was going to be okay. Nobody stuck around to take a report. They just said, you seem really irritated and we'll get out of your hair. And they just took off as fast as they could leave. All 15 squad cars, as fast as they could leave, they practically peeled out of here. And my wife is standing there in confusion as the last officer leaves. It's the same rude female officer. And she says, can I go back in my house now? And the officer says, do what you want. I don't care. Do you feel like in some instances maybe the reason they behave this way? Because, I mean, this is not... This is sadly not surprising to hear cops behave this way. They, they have just been so conditioned to believe that whatever they tell somebody to do, that person must do it, whether what they're asking for is lawful or not. Right. No, absolutely they think that. I, I didn't sign up for the military. I don't work for them, and I don't care what clothes you're wearing. I care about I'm going to respect you based on who you are, and I am a mirror. I'm going to treat you the way you treat me. If you're a jerk to me, I'm a jerk to you. But what I say is I get along fine with everybody who leaves me alone. <laughs> right? It's true. I'm going to make a t-shirt that says that. <laughs> That's going to be a jack shirt. Okay. There you go. I get along great with everybody who leaves me alone. So if this officer was diplomatic, if he just calm down, buddy, calm down. Well, there could be somebody in their debt. Well, they'll still be dead in a half an hour. Relax. This conversation took place. I'm, I'm the one being calm and I don't have the loaded weapon. Now, in my house, I have plenty of weapons, and I was a little worried about that. Sure. They're scattered and hidden all throughout my house, and I didn't want that to become an issue. So I got well, my No dogs. one wants police in their home if they don't have to have them in their home, first of all. I mean, you have no idea what somebody might have decided yesterday was illegal, and we are protected by the Constitution from illegal search and seizure. But you mentioned your dog again. My gut is that 90% of your resistance here was because you knew those animals were in your house. Of course. And if I that dog, you had no dog in the house, you would have said, go. Just go. Whatever you got to do to make yourself happy, go. But you're trying to protect the life of your animal. What I told the officer, I said, if you enter my house right now based on a prank phone call, what you're doing is you're defending ignorance. You know what he said? No, I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I can't have a conversation with somebody who talks like that. That's like a four-year-old's response. And, and, you know, people say, Carrie, if you got nothing to hide, why not just let him walk through your house? And I'm going to take a line from Edward Snowden. If you got nothing to say, why should you care about freedom of speech? Yeah. yeah. It's a principle of the matter. If I will invite you in. If you ask, I will invite you in. But don't you come in my house. Don't you dare. This is I don't like people. OK. Yeah. This is my – I don't own much. The world's a big place. I have a 1,500-square-foot house. It's all I own. It's all my life has amounted to. This yeah. is my haven. This is my sanctuary. This is my church. This is my synagogue. This is my temple. This is my safe place. Well, and, and you just and, violated it. And you have – like, okay, there's totally different situations here. So if police go into your home because they think you're growing drugs in your closet and they have a warrant for that, there's a certain amount of search – that's reasonable to do, right? And they're not, they're probably not going to have you walk them around and explain what's going on, right? Because they're in there with the concept that you've done something wrong that could be very well hidden, 
I just blew somebody away with a shotgun laying on my floor bleeding out. The search that needs to happen for that is not going through your, your drawers in your, in your no, bedroom. No. It's and not going through your closet. And I, I understand a, they didn't, but. It's okay. a cursory search. Right. Yeah. It's a cursory search, but like to know that didn't happen, I want to go with you. I want to be part of this. I want to secure my animal. I don't want anybody hurt. Right. And you don't need to be going and you, okay, they didn't, but any guarantee that they wouldn't, you have none. There is no guarantee they wouldn't have done that. This makes me think when I was a, a, still, you know, a father of a child at home, my son drove, actually his, he drove, dropped his friend off, came back to the house. That was the whole thing. A, a, a house had been broken into the next door neighbor of his friend. A well-meaning person on the street says, well, I saw two guys drive by and they turned around and when they went back, the other one ducked down to hide, which mm. is just stupid on its face. Well, that well-meaning person jumped in their car and followed the car to my house, my son's car. Police show up, and they want to know if he has anything to do with this burglary. I'm like, no way. But they wanted to go up and look through his room. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, no. Like, well, is he here? No, he's not here. He's at work. Okay. Can we go through his room? No. Well, why not? Because you, you, what you just described is the, the fact you're asking if you can and you don't have a warrant tells me in of itself you do not have grounds to do this you're fishing yeah and i don't i don't need you going, going through fishing there, with right you. and i i think of my kid is like the most straight like my kid was the kid you're like would you please get in trouble because i'm really worried that you haven't gotten in any trouble at all <laughs> but i still don't know maybe the kid's got a half ounce of grass maybe in his, he's in really it. good at not getting caught right yeah maybe he's got a half ounce of grass or something that i want to put my foot in his ass over but i don't need i don't need the state messing his life up over it i'm not And he was 17 at the time, so he's, you know, he's still a minor, but I'm not giving consent on his behalf to look through his room. Right. Now, he lives in my house. I'll go look, right? But, no, no, I'm not letting two police officers into my home rooting through my son's room. No, it's a fishing and, expedition. And they, they looked pissed off when I told them no. Right. Like, like you should just do this because, well, it would really be better if we did. Better for who? Exactly. Better for who? And this is actually, as an aside, when I totally lost trust in law enforcement. Like you, I like good cops, but until I know you, I have no reason to believe you are one. Yep. Because what these people did is they said, can we interview him? I said, he's a minor, you can interview him with me. They immediately went to his place of employment, pulled him outside, and interrogated him for two hours in a parking lot. Over nonsense. And, and eventually one of the cops that showed up was like a good friend of the manager that, that my son worked for. And he talked to him and he's like, no. And then, then they just left. So yeah. I'm not surprised by this attitude and this behavior by these people at all. And I think it's, I think a lot of it is policy and training. And unlike you, I did join the military. And once yeah. you, so to train, like these people understand, to train means to condition an organism so that it must behave a certain way. Right? That's what training means. It's not teaching and training are different. I okay. can train a vine to grow up a tree a certain way. I can, right? And that's what military and paramilitary training is. They are a reflection of that training. That's why they're shooting dogs. That's why they're not respectful to people anymore because they're being trained to be that way. And okay, I, I got a lot of law enforcement officers in, the, in this community that if you're new, I know you're pissed at me right now. I'm not saying all of you. I'm saying, but there's a preponderance of the evidence in their language that this is the case. But I know what you're going to say, right? You're still called upon to use logic and reason 
right? Like that's you're, what you're we, still going to call them when you get robbed. You're still going to call them, yes. no matter how much you don't like them. When you need them, you're going to call them. Usually to get a report so you can file your insurance, but yes. Your son goes missing. Are you going to call the cops? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So let's let's just make sure we're clear on this. Yeah. We are forming a distinction between good cops and bad cops. And when the when the lieutenant tried to justify what I call a bureaucratic robotic behavior where a human being is no longer acting like a human being but is acting like a robot, then let's just replace them with robots because at least that way we'll have some consistency. In my opinion, there is no animal more dangerous in the United States than, an, than a scared police officer with a loaded weapon. They're too unpredictable. Fear, in my opinion, stands for false expectations appearing real. And when the officer accepts fear over reality, I don't know what's going to happen because now reason can't take place. When an officer behaves truly at an unthinking and lack of judgment and behaves like a robot, let's replace them with robots. I want an officer who can exercise judgment. I want an officer that can go, we've never been to this house for a domestic violence call before. Nobody's complained about any shotgun sounds. There's no damage visible to the house. There's no blood on them. I don't smell any gunpowder. Nobody appears to be in distress. It wouldn't make sense for the guy who claimed to make the call, who was unverifiable, to then be verified in person and think it's the same guy, that that call couldn't be a prank. And, I'm and you're standing saying, next to the wife that he supposedly shot. Right. All I'm saying is I'm not saying you should just drive away. Stand down. Just stand down. Put the gun back in the holster. I have a problem with any officer that draws his weapon first. In my opinion, no officer should ever draw a weapon in, in, unless it's in response to a weapon being drawn. Verifiable. If you don't see a weapon, you don't draw a weapon. That's how it should work. This idea that I can shoot you because I'm afraid is BS. I told the lieutenant, I go, I don't care if I upset your officers. I don't care if they thought I was disrespectful. They can't shoot me because they don't like me. They'll go to jail for that. But if they shoot me because they were scared of me, they'll get acquitted of that every time. Well, because I don't know if we know about – do you know about the situation we have here in Dallas that just occurred in the last few months with the woman officer shooting a guy in his own apartment while she was off duty? Oh, yeah. Because she thought she was in her apartment? Right. I mean, if I did that, like let's just – this is my thing. I think it's what you're saying. They should be held to the same standards we are or higher because they're trained for that. Right? Higher standards. There's higher standards. So if, if, further, if you and I live, if, so you and let's say you and I lived, I lived on the third floor, you lived on the fourth and our apartments mirrored each other. And one night I come home, probably would like to be that far off your game, probably either sleep deprived or drunk. And I, and instead of going to my apartment, I go up to yours. Somehow I managed to get the door open, which kind of bugs me in of itself. And I'm a, and I'm not a cop, but I just think I'm in my own house. And I see, I see you, you know, in your boxers eating cereal or whatever. And I say, hey, get down. And you don't, and I shoot you. And I give that exact story to law enforcement. I'm not getting a pass. No, and and I should. You know, right? What's so what's so upsetting is they get to say, well, I was scared. Yeah. Well, listen, if you're scared of bad guys. Don't be a cop. If you don't want to be bit by a dog, don't become a dog catcher. This isn't rocket science. Nobody asked you to do that job. You voluntarily selected it, and you know what you signed up for. Now, if you're afraid all the time, if you're scared, then you're dangerous to the citizens. A scared police officer is a danger to the community. Now, 
You have to be reasonable, calm, and in control. You've got to be a critical thinker, and you've got to be able to exercise judgment. But if they have policies and procedures that precludes them, whether they want to or not, from acting on common sense, then we have a problem from the top down. That's what I'm saying. When the officer says, well, people do this and people do that, and that's why we do this, I go, well, then if you're going to assume all civilians are bad civilians, then all civilians are going to assume all cops are bad cops. All right? So you need to start and you'll get what you give. So if you don't want me to think all cops are bad cops, then stop treating me like I'm a bad guy. Because otherwise, where's the incentive for me to not be? If you're going to punish me for a crime I didn't commit, I might as well go and get the benefit of whatever that crime is and go do it. Very, very solid, uh, solid logic there. I mean, really, and that's, and I, 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 I again, I, I do try to delineate between the two. My my issue with law enforcement is that more and more officers seem to be falling into this second category. And, well, and so I actually think there's three categories. There's bad cops. What I mean by that is a guy that is a scumbag, because I have what I call a 10% scumbag theory, which is about 10% of people walking around are scum. And that means in any profession, about the bottom 10% are going to be scumbags. There are people that do bad things on purpose because they can and they get away with it. And that's bad when your bad person is, let's say, a janitor, but it's worse when they have a gun, a taser, a dog, a car, a shotgun, handcuffs, mace. And, and they'll we, probably find their parents are exactly the same way. Absolutely. So that's that's the bad apples, right, which is a problem in itself. Then I think there's like this expanding group that is what you're talking about. They're becoming so robotic that it's a function of training and I know I'll sound, you know, prepper conspiracy theorists here, but the militarization of our police forces, local law enforcement is not really supposed to behave that way. And somehow things were okay in the 1980s when they did it. And, and when you talk about this now, the apologist comes up and basically leads you to believe that if, well, if we didn't have police officers that did this, then this would be Somalia, right? It would be Somalia and, and the pirates and everything else. All in the streets right now, it would rain dogs and cats, and the cats would have puppy kittens, and the zombies would march, and we need this type of you know, militant enforcement of the law, and somehow that's not what it used to be like. You and know it, who says that? Kim Jong-un. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want freedom, freedom yeah. isn't free. If I step outside, I can get shot. That's the risk, and I'm happy to accept that risk to be able to go outside when I want to, to not have a curfew, to not have martial law. I go out, if I want to go to Walmart, and I'm walking in a dark parking lot, and someone stabs me in the back with a knife, and I'm ambushed, ain't nothing I can do about it. That's America. Now, if you don't like that, maybe you should move somewhere like China or North <laughs> Korea. That won't happen to you there. Unless it's a government agent, because you said something wrong. But other well, than that, yeah. but other than that, yeah, they have very low crime rates. I'm saying just random. I'm saying yeah. random. No, I get you. I get you. No, because when, when your punishment for taking the wrong picture is seven years in an internment camp, the crime rate's really low, but your freedom's lacking. And, you know, we live here for freedom. And people often say things like, you know, well, you know, if you, if you want that, why don't you move to Somalia? Well, first of all, you don't know what I'm talking about. But, but second of all, if you want – you're making a very salient point, right? If you want more law enforcement, if you want – more militant law enforcement. If you want any of anything that we don't like that you want more of, there is a place for you to go. There's yeah. a place that will give you that. If you want less, this is it. 
There's no like there's no place you go down from here. This is this is the most freedom that exists in the world today. I don't think it's enough anymore, but it is the most. So I kind of feel like I don't want to give anymore. I'm done. You move somewhere where they have more government. You move somewhere where they have more police yeah. officers, right? Not, not don't don't ask me to leave. In in the 1970s, I remember bumper stickers that said America love it or leave it. Now it seems like America love it or change it to fit your own personal agenda. It's weird, this, this change I've seen in the culture. And um, everybody's looking for absolutes. Everybody's looking for a solution that's 100% effective. Whether we're talking about a wall, oh, no, well, you know, it's not going to work. Well, it's a deterrent. You know, a car alarm doesn't guarantee no one's going to steal your car. It's a deterrent. But now everybody wants absolutes, and there are no absolutes. Whether and, and I realized this, and I went and I talked to the lieutenant. I had a meeting with him for two hours, and we had a really good discussion. He seems like a really super cool guy, really like him a lot, and it really helped to rebuild my trust. They showed me a PowerPoint presentation based on information that I provided to them on how to train their dispatchers to watch for the red flags and also to train the officers. to. And he, and he says, you know, I have shown footage of my officers to themselves, and they don't even realize they did that. They'll say, GLT, was that me when they're watching the playback of the footage? And he goes, yeah, that was you. So they say, you know, he's saying, you know, sometimes the officers, they get so caught up in a moment, they're not even aware. And I'm like, well, that guy shouldn't have a gun. They should have some sort of psychological profile done that they won't behave like that before you issue the weapon to them. You know, this is an officer charged to enforce the law on behalf of the government. I would think that the, the, the barrier to entry would be <laughs> a little higher, you know, and um, and like I say, the guy was super cool. I really enjoyed talking to him. He showed me the PowerPoint presentation that they're going to use for training, asked me for my input. And what a great opportunity to turn those lemons in the lemonade to make sure that it won't that if it happens to anybody else in my community, they'll be less likely to be shot as a result and I feel pretty good about that. You know, I feel like I've been able to make a positive difference in my community and to help the police and say, look, you know, for all the bad the police do, they also do a lot of good. And I don't want this conversation to come away with us beating up on them when they're not here to defend themselves. I do want to say I think 90%, 95% of the cops out there, they're there for the right reason. They're trying to make a community a better place. They love what they do, and they don't have power trips. But there's 5% minimum who are profoundly abusive of their power, and the department doesn't do enough to discourage that. We got a guy here in the same police department that tased the guy 11 times hmm. while he was being held down by another officer, even pulled his shorts down and tased him in the testicles, and this guy has a history once the news, the local news station started looking at this officer's history, this officer commandeered a school bus in an event that violated policy and was reprimanded for it. But the chief of police who reprimanded him also said, great way to think outside the box. We need more officers like you. So which was it? Was he being punished or was he being praised? He got, And then when you look, you see the, the, the chief of police used to be the guy's supervisor. They've been working together for a long time. They're looking out for each other. Well, see, that's my problem with your 95%. If 5% are that bad, the 95% that are silent 
bear 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 responsibility to I'm not gonna say they bear as much responsibility. Each person can only do so much. We've all had jobs where there's a person you're just like, this person is just useless. They're, you know, a brick holding the door open is more valuable, but you can't, you don't have the authority to get rid of that person. But I don't know, like, see, being in the military, I know that self-policing of any military type force, and, and law enforcement is a military type force, is very important. And if you had somebody that far off the rungs, even if there's nothing you can do through channels, let me just say, we're taking a walk and we're going to have a discussion and you're not going to do that anymore and you're probably going to quit. Right, because you probably don't want to be here because the people you work with, we're, we're, you know, you, you just probably don't need to be here anymore. Just give them a desk job. Just take right. away the gun. There's other police work that needs to be done. Yeah. yeah, they don't have to do that job. They can do another job and still stay with the police department. Uh, you know, I, I'm not about punishment. I, I was never looking to get anybody in trouble, and I'm not looking. Well, to you didn't sue anybody. You tried to help them make their training better. That that speaks miles yes. for you. Yeah, well, you know, I've talked to the ACLU about it, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I want to be friends. And I even told the officer, whoa, thunder. Okay, as you say, geez, they throw a flashbang at you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you still there? Yeah, I, I just muted the mic. Uh, that's okay. Storm. Yeah. Wow, that was it, loud. It doesn't rain very often in Arizona, but yeah. when it does, it pours. So, um I even told the officer, I said, look, I'm not your adversary. You're treating me like I'm your adversary, but I'm not. I'm the kind of person, if I like you, I don't care if you like me or not. If I tell my wife I love you and she doesn't say anything back, I don't care. Some people, if they don't get an I love you too, they get upset. Yeah. That's conditional. I am not a conditional love kind of guy. So I told the officer, the lieutenant, when I talked to him on the phone, I said, I am a friend of police, whether you like it or not, so you better get used to the idea. <laughs> and no matter what you say, I'm your friend. Right, well, something my mother told me. She said, you can be mad at me all you want. I'm always going to be your mother, and there's nothing you can do about it. So I think we've covered what the officers did wrong enough, but there's multiple moving parts to something like this. What role – do dispatchers play, and specifically, what role did a dispatcher play in what happened to you? Well, the dispatcher didn't recognize. Uh, I heard, so first of all, this happened to me two more times. Uh, After it happened the first time, it happened four days later. It was about 11 o'clock at night, and instead of 15 squad cars with sirens blaring, I got three squad cars quietly pull up, politely knock on the door, and say, uh, we heard there's a bomb here. My wife, now I had gone to the hospital. I, four days after this, as cool as I sound on that video, four days later, I couldn't get out of bed. I was crying and I was unreasonable and I couldn't be spoken to. I just wanted to be left alone. Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Everybody leave me alone. I'm just bawling my eyes out. My wife's like, what's wrong? And it was the events four days earlier. It's like being in a car accident and you don't feel it for a couple of days. I understand that. I mean, I'm falling like a child. Well, all of that bullying that I went through in high school, I almost killed myself just to end the torture that I had to go through daily at high school. And it all came bubbling back up. I thought it was behind me. I'm 50 years old now. And that 15-year-old version of me came all the way up to the surface and I thought it was gone. 
And I couldn't control myself. I was just sobbing and sobbing and sobbing and depressed and just wanting to die. And um, I went to the hospital and they gave me <laughs> Ativan, thank God. My blood pressure was over 200. And I was calm, but the doctor looked at me. He goes, you might think you're being calm. <laughs> he says, you're really pissed off right now. And they said to my wife, they go, they, we might need him for a little while. And I'm like, oh, great. That's what I want to hear. So I had taken this Ativan, went home, went to bed, and the police had shown up, and my wife answered the door. My wife said, we don't have a bomb here. And they said, well, would you like us to come in and search just in case? And she said, no, we're fine. And they said, okay, have a good night. So a week later, and I was passed out, like the Ativan knocked me out. I didn't know any of that happened. A week later... Um, the, uh, the dogs are barking. I look outside. I two, two, I see two squad cars pull up. And I open the door and I, they, they're walking up the walkway. I said, uh, oh, we're doing this again? And he says, sir, we're really, we're really sorry to bother you. I go, you guys aren't bothering me. I'm flattered. I mean, it's, I, I, I'm, I'm grateful that you're coming out to check on me. You know, I think it's great, but I think you guys should be recognizing this by now. And I know you have better things to do, and um, I really appreciate what you guys do, and I hope the rest of your evening goes this easily. Do you see how I treated them differently? Do you yeah. see how my reaction – and I have people on the Internet saying I didn't react properly. Well, you don't get to light a firecracker next to a guy with PTSD and then tell him how he's supposed to react. You don't get to sit on your couch and watch this event unfold and tell me – not that you are, but I know there's people listening – and tell me I didn't react properly. You don't get to decide how I react. You're nobody. I don't care what you think. I don't know who you are, and I don't respect anything of your opinion. So if you want me to respect your opinion, go be somebody. Be a politician. Be somebody I look up to. Otherwise, keep your mouth shut because it's none of your business. <laughs> tell me how you really feel, Carrie, because it's offensive. Uh, hundreds of people swarming in, telling me everything I did wrong. Well, you go stand outside there with 15 guns pointed at you, M16, military weapons, with your dogs in the house, and they just go into your house, and they might just shoot your dogs. And if they do, there's no repercussion for them at all. It's just another day at the office. I, I, yeah, I'm back to that would be my number one concern if it was my what? home protecting my animals, because there is nothing here I'm going to prison for, right? So – I don't, I don't want you going through my house, but my number one concern would be my animals who have every right to defend their home. They yeah, and I just don't like, I just don't like the people that are going to listen to this to say he didn't do it right. Yeah. Well, until you find yourself in that situation, and if you've never been in that situation, you keep your mouth shut because you don't know what the hell you're talking I, about. I'll tell you I'm what, not, you're an internet personality. Get being, get used to being told you did it wrong. Like no, I, 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 I got to get used to being told. <laughs> what the hell up. I've been doing this 11 years, man, full time as a business. And I get told I'm wrong every day. And it's just it's it's how people are, because online, everybody wants to run their mouth about. So they want to demonize people. Well, you know, why don't you make friends? Why don't you be supportive? Why don't you treat others the way you want to be treated? Empathy is a real easy thing to learn. I'm going to grab the skin on your arm and I'm going to pinch it and twist it as hard as I can. Did that hurt? Well, then don't do that to other people. It's a real easy thing to learn. And it feels better when you smile and you make friends. You feel better inside. Whatever that high is you're getting from pissing somebody off, it doesn't compare to the high you get from somebody saying thank you sure. and smiling. 
Well, what you're it's running tank tire. What you're running into into is what I call the self policing monkeys. So society is more controlled by society itself than law enforcement. And so one of the one of the many things that's been programmed into people's heads, uh, along with you know you can never say anything bad about a teacher, is you can never say anything bad about a cop. Right. So as soon as you have any, no matter how law enforcement friendly you are, as soon as you have one negative thing to say, the monkeys start policing themselves and they start flinging shit at you. That's yeah. you know, and I don't know if you know the old story of that, but that's the old story where the monkeys. We're put into a thing. There's four monkeys. They climb a pole to get a banana. And every time they go up the pole, they get shot with cold water out of a fire hose and knocked down. So, of course, in a little bit of time, they're all like, I'm not going up there. So they take one monkey out, throw a new monkey in. He doesn't know. So the first thing he does is head up that pole. The other three monkeys, like, beat his ass for his own good, they think, to protect it from the fire hose. And they keep doing mm. this till there's four monkeys in there. And none of them have ever seen or know of the fire hose. All they know is the behavior. They take one of those monkeys out, put a new monkey in, and they all mimic the same behavior and attack him for trying to go to the pole, but they have no idea why. And that's how people react when you say anything negative about law enforcement, education system, um, de definitely uh, soldiers. Like, and like, I'm a soldier. We had a term, shitbag, for some of our own. Don't tell me there's no bad ones, or we would have had that term. But when you say that, you're attacking this iconic creation of society that we have been taught to pseudo-worship. And now you must be attacked for it. You must be wrong, because it's not possible that the cops were wrong. They were just doing their job, no matter what they did. And yeah, that is some... That's, it's messed up, but that's how... You're preaching it. You're preaching it. It's just, and there's a line in the movie Stripes well, where this guy, uh, they're all introducing each other. And, uh, you know, the platoon or, uh, and, and he says, he's got negative things. I don't remember the guy said negative things about the people around him. And, and the drill sergeant says, you better watch your tone because one of these people may save your life one day. And Bill Murray says, well, then again, maybe one of us won't. And I thought that was a great line. <laughs> um, and the other thing, when you talk about people behave, uh, repeating behaviors and they don't know why, there's a story. This little girl sees her mom cut the end off of the Christmas ham. Mm. And she says, Mom, why do you cut the end off of the Christmas ham? And she says, because that's the way my mother always did it. So she asks her grandmother, why do you cut the end off the ham? She says, because that's the way my mother always did it. So she says, hey, great-grandma, how come Mama and Grandma always cut the end off of the ham before they cook it? And she says, I don't know why they do it, dear, but but the reason I do it is because my pan's not big enough. Mm -hmm. And it's this idea that people behave without critical thinking that they don't – and look, I'm a business owner. And I help people if they want to start their own business in computer repair. And I often hear, oh, man, I'm so depressed. I lost a customer today. And I said, well, did you lose a customer or did you lose a good customer? Because there's a difference. Not all customers are equal. You'll have good customers and you'll have customers. And not all cops are equal. There are good cops. And I like to think the majority of cops are good cops. But to suggest that they are beyond reproach, those people get what they deserve. In other words, if you're a person who thinks that cops are beyond reproach regardless, I believe in karma, and that will come around to you. It'll solve itself. Absolutely. So what 
what can people do to try to prevent this from happening to them? That's well, because the, the, the danger here is it just like there's no reason this happened to you other than somebody could. And I mean, there's a ton of reasons were, it could happen. Somebody could be pissed at you. Right. They so were trying to prove this? they were smarter than me. Right. Because That's what happened to you. But kitty. you could yeah. just have somebody that hates you. And yeah. if you're going to be an online personality, get used to haters, dude, because, yeah, they're there. Um, oh, I know. I could give away $100 bills, and there'd be somebody pissed off I wasn't doing yeah. it right. So, And then you could have you could have a cop that thinks he's right about you, even though he's wrong, that could do this himself to cause – like, what can you – is there anything you could do to either prevent this or to mitigate it, you know, if it happens? Well, we set up a password. So if anybody calls 911 from my address – they have a history that pulls up every 911 dispatch has a history of any address, including the water bill, utility bill to show, you know, okay. how long somebody's been at that address. And there's a password. And if I say the password, they know that it's a prank call. The prank caller won't know the password. Now, how did you set that up? That's with the lieutenant. They never had a swatting call before, so they okay. just created it. I guess they, I'm guessing they put it in the notes. Okay. Now, my sister said, because I work with my brother, I'm afraid someone might find my information. Oh, and by the way, they dox binned me. Do you know what dox binning is? Or being doxed? I know what being doxed is. I've not heard yeah, of Yeah, they put my, my name, my address, phone okay. numbers that have been associated to me. They put it on the dark web on an onion link where you use the Tor browser where it can never, ever be removed or altered. Now – you could always find my information. If you did a modicum of Google searching, I want to be found because that's how I stay in business. Sure. But there's this, this sort of implied everybody's hiding. I use my real name on YouTube. And if you want to find my address or my phone number, it's pretty easy to find if you try to look for it. But they actually went out of their way to take it and compile it and put it all together and put it up on the dark web. I mean, if you know how to use the dark web and you know how to use the Tor browser and an onion link, it's a lot easier to just find me on Google. So they kind of expose somebody who doesn't mind being exposed. But what if I did? Once, What do I do, move? What, what can you do about that? There was a senator that was trying to pass legislation against swatting, and while he was there in the, the Senate doing it, he was swatted. His wife and kids were at home, and the police had called him and said, uh, is this Mr. So-and-so? And he said, yeah. And they said, well, where are you? He says, I'm on the Senate floor. And they said, we have officers en route to your home on a, based on a 911 call. So this happens to celebrities. This happens to politicians, and this happens to gamers. A lot of gamers think if they run a VPN or a virtual private network that they're safe from this. But your IP address has nothing to do with locating you. Like if you look up my IP address... You can see it's assigned from Cox Communications, but you don't know where I am. Cox services all of the valley, all of the Phoenix and the suburban area. Just like a phone number, you might see it's a number issued from Verizon or it's a number issued from Sprint, but you don't know where that phone is. You don't know who owns it. So there's this myth on the Internet that if you, when you're gaming, that you can be a jackass and be protected because you're behind a VPN, and that's not how it works. They never, ever use your IP address to find you because your IP address is like a phone number. It's just you can just get a vicinity. You can't get a lo you know, precise location. My sister said, look, I'm worried this is going to happen to me. So she lives in another city. She contacted that police department, and they said there's nothing we can do. She goes, look, all I'm saying is because I'm in this line of work, it's likely to happen to me. Is there something that we could do? Like my brother set up a password. Can we do that? And she said no. She goes, well, I just want to, I've got kids in the house. I, I'm just worried. You know, I don't want anybody to get hurt. 
And she said, no, I understand. We just don't have any policy or procedure to help you at this time. So you have to wait till it happens. They want to be reactive instead of proactive, and it's really upsetting. So I don't know that there's anything you can do. Stay off the Internet. I mean, as long as and, and even if you stay off the Internet, the guy who mean answers anything. the you're, door. You're, your next door neighbor could just hate you. Further than that, yeah. what if they get to the wrong address? Yeah. Right. So so welcome to America. This is the price of freedom. Now, I got to hear one of my 911 calls. And in one of the calls, the guy says his name is Michael. He doesn't identify himself as Carrie. He gives a similar but wrong address. I think he was so nervous, even though the information was probably on the screen in front of him. He still gave the wrong address. Hmm. But he it was clearly intended for me. And he says, I'm, I'm and he sounded like he had a cold. He says, I'm, and it, a lot of times these swatting events, they use um, TTY services for the death, where the relay operator has to relay everything and is not allowed to speak their own personal opinion or modify in any way, shape, or form anything that's said. So it could be coming in through a text, like an instant messaging program, and then the, the person running the TTY machine for the death has to then relay that over to the 911 operator word for word. And it's untraceable. I mean, it's a, and the FCC requires them to do that with no authentication. So that's, so I was surprised this person was actually stupid enough to use their own voice, said their name was Michael, mm-hmm. and I'm shooting people, and then you hear blam, 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 blam. And then he says, hold on, I have to reload. And I looked at the officer and I go, he would be deaf if he's on the phone and he's shooting what sounds like a, you know, a long rifle, like an M16. It sounds like he's playing Battlefield or Call of Duty with the volume turned up. He wouldn't be able to hear. Why aren't the dispatchers aware? He goes, yeah, no, we, we, we flagged this one. He says, you know, most people don't know that. He says, you know, good for you. You caught that. And I said, uh, I said, why doesn't the dispatcher, just when you got the guy on the phone, go, uh, just to be sure, your house is the one with the SUV in the driveway? Yeah. Just relay that to the cops. Uh, caller says there's a brown SUV in driveway. Now, if the cops pull up and there's not a brown SUV in the driveway, probably a prank call. And if the guy comes out and says, hey, it's a prank call. Start, <laughs> starts to look like it's probably a prank call. Probably a prank to- call. And all the dispatcher has to do is go, is your car, is your the one with the SUV? And if the guy says yes, go. Is it the, the red one or the green one? There's you know the houses all look alike nowadays. Is, it, is yours the? Just make it out like you're having trouble identifying the house. Keep the guy on the phone. And the lieutenant says, you know, we can't make. He's. It was as if he was going to say that they're stupid, but he goes, we we have to keep this simple. That's <laughs> what he said. <laughs> I said, okay, I understand. I understand. I just think. You know, and he played me another 911 call where a guy said he was at his college campus and the 911 dispatcher says, what part of the college campus are you at? He's at the front of it. She goes, by what building, which building are you in front of? And he couldn't answer that question. So it was clearly, you know, he he was not able to provide all the information and, and therefore they still send an officer out, but they're not all charged up, ready to shoot their guns and send them the whole. It does sound like many departments are doing what they can to get a better handle on this at this point. Well, right. there's a phone authentication system called Shaken Stirred, you know, based on James Bond, right? Shaken or Stirred. Yeah. And the Shaken and Stirred, uh, you can thank Ajit Pai there, uh, 
for not forcing phone companies to in, to spend the money required to put this authentication system into place. Now, there'll always be people who can crack it. Again, everybody's always looking for absolutes, but this would deter probably 98% of it because the people, the skill set that would be required to fake the authentication process of where the call originates to authenticate where the call is sent would then make every call traceable. And, and then, then to fake that would require an extreme amount of knowledge and skill. So forcing the, tele, the, the telephony companies to institute a technology we already have, it's going to cost them millions of dollars and they have lobbyists and they've convinced, you know, guys like Ajit Pai at the uh, FCC that they can self-police it and it's fine. And then we get robocallers. We got fake IRS callers. Your computer has a virus. Uh, your computer Windows license has expired. Um, and, and they're completely untraceable. So what I do with these guys is I let them call me and I record it and make a video out of it. And I try and keep them on the phone as long as possible. And I try and make it funny. Guy says his name is Steve Wilson with a thick Indian accent. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and I said, is Steve Wilson a common name in India? <laughs> and he says, no. And then he continues on with his script. So yeah. I'm exposing the script and I'm recording it. And while he's trying to make a living by stealing from me, which is illegal, I am legally recording him because Arizona is a one-party consent state. So I can record you, if, whether you like it or not. It's legal. And then I can put it on YouTube, turn you into a star, and make money from, and, and not owe you a penny. I keep it all? How's that for karma? Well, it does sound like there's not a ton people can do to prevent it, but... You know, what you're doing with working with your local department about, hey, let's try to understand how to identify this. Uh, that seems like something – the work with the, the phone companies being able to do something about this. I think it sounds like that same technology would help with these robocalls and swatting and all of this stuff. And that yes. would be – that would be this like is, you're solving so many problems uh, at the same time. You yes, know, and, and it's simple. We uh, already have the technology. This is not rocket science. And furthermore – if you're well, I, see, I'm bigger on I'm big on market solutions, so I don't necessarily want the government to do that. I bet you, if every single person that's annoyed by robocalls uh, called their provider and told them they wanted this done, uh, that they would end up spending so much money in additional customer service handling that they might actually think it was a good idea. Then the FCC gets more complaints on robocalls than any. Well, don't other call the FCC. Call AT and T. But I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? Like, call, call T-Mobile. It's not enough. It yeah. be, that, I'm sorry. It's not going to do it. People are complaining. They yeah. are. Yeah. Cover, complaining to government is like yelling at the sky. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. It makes you feel better, but no one really gives a shit. You know? Well, hey, companies like AT&T and Sprint are no, no different. They're so big and lumbering. They're slow to adapt, and they're all about the money. Anything that cuts into their profits, God forbid, they can only buy three islands this quarter. You know, they're going to have to tighten their belt in order to put this in place. Uh, it's it's all about greed. And unfortunately, yeah. that's the capitalist world. I, I realize sometimes I sound like a hippie, but I just want things to be equal and balanced. And um, I used to say fair, but everybody's got a different definition of fair. So let's find the balance. Let's do what's reasonable and prudent if we can. And they're not. They're refusing to do it because it's going to cost them too much money. In the meantime... We were going to receive more robocalls. Each person in America will receive more robocalls this year than any year in history. And it's going to get worse until somebody does something about it. And this is all related. And by the way, if you're hearing impaired, if you're deaf and you get swatted 
and you can't communicate with the police and you can't understand what they're telling you? You want to talk about my or if you're, if you're Chinese or, or Japanese or French or what, what you mean? There's plenty of people that can't communicate. So I think there's but a I'm real saying, problem. If you're there. deaf and you, I'm so specifically using this because you can yeah. research this. If you're deaf and you get swatted, you'll think I'm the luckiest guy in the world because mm. what I went through was traumatic. But what they go through is a whole nother definition of the word traumatic. Yeah. And it's something to consider. Not everybody is sighted. Not everybody speaks English. Not like you pointed out, yeah. not everybody can hear. But when those officers show up, guns a blazing, adrenaline a pumping, and they're looking for answers quick, they become very impatient. And they need to slow down. And they need to, th this is what's going to get them killed. An officer acting in haste is going to make a bad mistake that's going to kill somebody or result in friendly fire of their own officer. And we've seen that enough in the news. We have said we've seen both of those things already happen. Well, um, one of those things we're not going to solve today, but I, I do appreciate you bringing awareness to it and spending some time with us today, Carrie. And uh, I'll make sure that I have links. Yeah, I mean, we really didn't talk about what you really do, you know, your computer stuff <laughs> and all, but it's a pretty cool channel. And I'll make sure there's some, uh, you know, there's, there's links to your stuff in the video notes today as well. And uh, thank you for sharing your story and your opinions with us today. Well, thanks for inviting me. You know, it's knowledge is power. All we can do is be aware of it, right? So know that this can happen. You're not immune from it. And, uh, and, and maybe just don't be as blindsided as I was when it happens. And, uh, and, 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 and all we can do is share the information. And thank you for, for, for giving me an opportunity to share this with your audience. And I hope that they can, it can help them or somebody they care about. So, again, uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and thank you. Thank you as well. Uh, very informative interview. I am going to uh, break out a few things here in addition to what I said kind of in the beginning before I brought Carrie on about the situation, how it was handled, et cetera. Um, it, it is easy to look at this and say, well, you should have just, you know, cooperated and it would all went a lot easier. You're amping up the already amped up in this situation. As Kerry said, that's easy to say when it's not your family with a bunch of people with guns pointed at them. And really, I think the most aggravating circumstance in this that would most have a person not wanting the police to just quote-unquote go do their job is the fact that cops have been shooting dogs in, in ridiculous numbers for about 20 years. And it is about 20 years. And, you know, I, I understand how regrettable it is, but if a, an officer has to go into a situation, they actually have to, and they go in there and some giant dog comes charging at them that looks really, really aggressive. But I've seen really little dogs shot. I've seen, I don't mean you know, firsthand, but I've seen video of it. I've talked to people that have them too. I'm talking dogs that are like 10-pound dogs shot. It's disgraceful. It's disgraceful. Somehow, All these other public officials and servants do their jobs and they encounter dogs and they don't kill dogs every day. And, and it is back to training. I meant what I said about training. When you train someone in a certain way, what they know is, and this is like, I know it's not the same as training a vine up a tree, as I said to Carrie, but when you train someone in a public service job, what they know is, If I follow procedure and I follow my training, I will not get into trouble. 
And you've got people in law enforcement with a predisposition for order and following the law. And they equate their training with law. And it, it has led to this. And the only way this problem is going to get better is for the training to be altered. And if you want, and, and it just, if you guys that are out there that are police that listen to this show, you know I'm hard on you and I defend you at the same time. Okay? Um, if you want the public to trust you, if you want the public to trust you, then you have to stop killing the public's dogs. There is nothing that will make a person hate you more than shooting their dogs. I know it sounds crazy, like, well, shooting people should be just as bad. It's worse. It's worse to shoot a person that you shouldn't have shot. But a person can communicate with you. A dog's just a dog. you got to understand the emotional attachment people have to their animals. And I've said, if somebody shoots my dog, they're probably going to end up buried somewhere. And I'll probably be on a camera in Vegas rolling dice while it happens. I'm just saying. But you, you don't come into my home and kill my animals. And my biggest concern with my property right now, if anything attracts law enforcement here, is my animals. My dogs. And I can't trust you guys with my dogs. Not because you're not good people, because you've been trained that if my dog barks at you, charges at you, does anything aggressive toward you to just kill my dog. And that's not acceptable. And therefore, I can't work with you the way that I once did. I can't be as cooperative with you as the way I once was. And you guys need to go into your departments and say, hey, look, the public, one of the many reasons the public has a distrust for law enforcement at this point, that this relationship has been damaged, is because we're killing dogs. And I, I know of all the shit, I know there's people out there right now screaming to holy hell about some unarmed person shot on the side of the highway. That's a big problem, too. I brought it up today. But it has nothing to do with, we want to go check your house, and all the people are outside of the house, and the dogs are in the house, does it? Now, again, I am a person, I don't want you going through my shit, but if somebody swatted me, and the issue is, we need to just make sure there's no dead bodies in there, there's not a bunch of people holed up in there with you know terrorism or bombs or something. Hey, I understand the position you've been put in. We can do this. But if you think I'm letting you do it, when I've got my dogs in there and you're not going to let me go secure my animals, we're going to have a problem. We're going to have a problem. And if you guys didn't shoot dogs, it wouldn't be one now, would it? So fix your shit. And I know there's also some people thinking, well, you know what, this guy, Kerry, he was a little bit aggressive back toward the officers and stuff like that. Maybe it wasn't the best way to handle it. Maybe it wasn't. But... When it's your family with guns in their face, when you have other officers there that know who you are and, and the, the, the other officers won't listen to even them, and you're worried that they're going to go inside and kill your animals, maybe you wouldn't handle it quite perfectly either. The people that I expect to handle it to the highest, most professional level are the people with years of training and an unreasonable amount, in my opinion, of authority because they have a badge and a uniform and a, and a disproportional amount of force on their side. I expect a much higher level of performance from the officer than the person they're interacting with. And that's what you're supposed to be trained to do. And if anything that I've said pisses you off and you're a law enforcement officer, I think you have more to be pissed off in the mirror 
And not necessarily use an individual, but mining as a reflection of what you're doing and what your departments are doing that you do with me. And you can either get over it or you can't. I'm sorry. You know, I was, recently, I was accused today on Facebook of saying things just so I don't lose a certain group of people. And my response to that was F you, and I used the full word. Because I hope one thing that this audience has learned over 11 years now almost of me doing this, I will piss any group off in this audience. I don't give a shit. Because the truth is the truth, and either you're interested in the truth, even when you disagree with it, even when it upsets you, or my opinion is my opinion. Right? So there's the truth, and then when there's facts behind it, and then there's my opinion. Right? The truth in this was, you guys are killing dogs because you're trained to. That's truth. That's fact. You cannot change that. My opinion is what needs to be done about it. And I understand the difference between the two of them. But damn it, anybody out there stupid enough to think that I won't piss off an entire group of people, even in my own detriment, is just stupid. But you really are because, or you ain't been here long, right? You ain't been here long because I'll do it. Because right is right, period. And I'm actually not looking to pander to anybody. I'm looking to, you know, I'll tell you, I'm kind of off on a tangent here, and I need to wrap it up and finish the show. I understand that. But every once in a while, we need to have this conversation, especially for new people coming around. When I started this show, again, almost 11 years ago, I very quickly started attracting people who wanted to tell me what I should do with it. And the terms that I kept hearing was, you need to build a bigger tent. You need to build a bigger tent. You know, I don't want a bigger tent. I want a right tent. I want a proper tent. I want a tent based on principles. And then I want anybody that wants to be part of it to come on in. And if it needs to get any bigger, it'll get bigger. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. You know who builds a big tent? Fox News, CNN. If you want bigger tent, you want the attempt not to piss people off, you want to attempt, you don't want, you don't want to hear the truth, but you want to hear comforting lies, go to the big networks. They'll be happy to do it. In fact, you can go there and podcast for them because all of a sudden, doesn't everybody seem to want a podcast? Every big name has a podcast now. We were just hacks when I started out. No one really cared. Now they all want to break into podcasting. You know what? For the big media, good luck with that shit because you guys don't have any idea what you're doing in this space. All right. Sorry for the extra soliloquy today, but I just kind of had it on my chest. With that, we have wrapped up the show. Again, if I haven't pissed you off too much, do consider doing your online shopping at tspaz.com where you can see all of the items I've ever reviewed reviewed on Amazon. All the items I've ever reviewed on Amazon, uh, alphabetical by category, broken down. And if you start your online shopping there, you help us no matter what you buy. Um, The item of the day that I have for you today is uh, Miracle of Aloe Heel Stick. I know this doesn't sound like a real survival product, but actually this one is a hugely important product for prepper-minded people. What this stuff is is exactly what it sounds like. It's for your heels, like on your feet. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's definitely the winter when our weather is much drier here. Here, My heels get really cracked, and it can be painful. And I have found, of all the things I've tried, this one product that you put it on your heel, and in a couple days, it's, it's like brand new. Uh, it is really a miracle-like. It's not a. I don't believe in miracles the way the word is used, but it is miracle-like and how well and how fast that it works. Now you might wonder what is what is a survival topic about this? Um, if you're ever in a long-term grid-down situation, every little thing becomes a much bigger thing, 
And things like cracked heels in that situation that can maybe become infected and take you out when you're the primary one that's supposed to be providing for your family can be a real problem. It's also a product that's very popular with diabetics. They tend to have problems with their feet uh, as well. So in that situation for diabetics, it's even more important. Uh, and it just works. And that's what everything that I put on T-SPADS, I try to make sure it just works. This one just works. Remember, you can always support us by doing your online shopping at T-SPADS. No matter what you buy, and we have, and if again, if it's there, I own it, I use it, I spent my money on it, I'll do it again, or I wouldn't put it there. Integrity is my brand. I might piss you off, but you know I'm not lying to you, and I'm not pandering to you. On that, if I haven't pissed you off too much, do you consider becoming a member? Support the site. You can learn more about that by going to survivalpodcast.com and click on members. All the addition, all the additional I'll say about it today is, if you use the discounts, you'll get more than your money back every year. And that's good enough reason to join in, in itself. That brings us to our song of the day today. Our song is by Delane, who I don't know anything about. They're kind of a techno band out of Europe, uh, northern Europe, like Scandinavia area or something like that, I think. The song's called April Rain. And this really isn't my style of music. It's good. It's just, you know, it's not something I'm going to be jamming out to on the back porch drinking some Weller's whiskey to or something like that. But it's why I have John Adam as a musical director doing my uh, my music uh, lineup for me because he's just so into music and so into everything. He's going to get us more exposure to things that, you know, otherwise I wouldn't put on there. Now, this song, um, while it's not my style of music, I do appreciate the quality of the vocals. It's got a little bit of that techno music thing. That's why I say it's not mine, but it's it's really good, too. But what I love about it is the message in it. And I'm not going to give you all the lyrics. I'm going to give you one of the choruses, because then it kind of sets the stage for what the whole song is about. Here's what it says. Fortune smiles on you. You're not watching. Dig that hole deeper. Fortune smiles on you, you're not watching, create your own fate. This song is about the struggles in life. Another line, every wind that you have sailed upon, a hurricane, every summer that you have seen was filled with April rain. Um, it is about how hard life is. But it's also about the fact that we fixate on how hard life is instead of the opportunities that are put out in front of us so that we can Use those opportunities. Fortune smiles upon you, but you're not watching. You dig the hole deeper. There are so many people in this world that are convinced that they're just, you know, they're hexed or something. They just didn't have an opportunity or whatever. And if you look at their life, you can see so many places where, well, if you had made this choice here. And they'll say something like, well, my life wouldn't be perfect. Well, your life's never going to be perfect. That's a nirvana fallacy. It's a, you know, but even it wouldn't be that much better. Well, maybe if you would have taken that one opportunity and made yourself just a little bit better off than you were, instead of digging the hole, you started to fill the hole back in just a little bit. You could have stood a little higher up in that hole, seen a little bit further, and saw another opportunity. Oh, look, there's something I can pull toward myself. Oh, wait, it's stuck. Now I can pull myself up. Next thing you know, you're out of the hole. And now you're just starting with nothing. You know, at least you're back to par, but you still don't have anything. But now you're up out of the hole and you can take a step. And another, another line that I really like in this song um, is it doesn't get easy. It doesn't get easy, don't you know? No, no one says it's easy. 
And there's so many things in life, they're not easy. But you know what they are, folks? They're simple. Simple and easy are different. Easy is something that's so easy that not only can you do it, everybody can do it, everybody will do it. It's easy. It's easy to sit on your ass and let life pass you by. That's another theme that's in this song. It's easy. It's simple to get up and change that. But it's not easy. Simple means something that you can do. Something that there's nothing really preventing you from doing it other than your own choice. But sometimes, as simple as it can be, it can be very difficult. It doesn't get easy. But if you make something happen, it does get better. With that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.